Do you remember in America where hostesses used to greet you with a smile when you entered a restaurant? Dressing rooms used to be clean and shopping malls weren't so dirty. Airlines actually got you where you needed to go and Uber drivers could communicate with you in English. Buildings weren't covered in graffiti and drug addicts weren't openly shooting up in the streets. These may seem like small, unimportant things, but they're a microcosm of a greater issue. Streets are filthy because no one cares enough to clean them up. Workers lack basic communication skills and pride in their jobs, and that's just the expectation now. We've all been conditioned to accept this degraded society as our new normal, and that's why it only continues to get worse. We're forced to accept the ugly as beautiful and label the Karen if we ask somebody to do their job properly. We're told to applaud the subpar and uplift the mediocre in society. Well, I'm tired of it. The United States is an empire reaching its final stages of decline, and this episode is dedicated to the brutal truth of how we've gotten here. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. I was supposed to be here with you on Monday, but I was stuck traveling from Florida back to Texas at the airport for three days. Yes, I had the most horrific airline experience of my life. But before we get into that story and why I'm so upset about the absolute degradation of the United States of America, about how we are rotting from the inside out, I just want to say thank you to every single one of you who support my show, who meet me at events, who are kind enough to come up to me when you recognize me uh, on the street and tell me that you watch the show and that you support my work. Now, it was horrific being stuck at the airport for two and a half days, dramatic saying three days, but two and a half. I was stuck on a plane on the tarmac for three hours. And this girl came up to me, I believe her name was Magdalena. I think she said she was from Poland. And she said she watches every single one of my shows. And honestly, it made my day. And it made the fact that I was dealing with, uh, you know, Biden's infrastructure, Pete Buttigieg absolutely destroying uh, the Department of Transportation and transportation as a whole in the United States of America. And it, it made the experience just a little bit better. So thank you to her for coming up to me. And for watching my show, thank you to every single one of you for always being here, for being patient with me when I am traveling, for following my work all of these years. I just have to start off the show with a little bit of gratitude before we get into the absolute devastation of America. Now, before we jump into that as well, please remember that this show is supported by you. And some of the easiest ways to do that are by going to Subscribestar if you would like to make a monthly donations. Again, uh, Everything that you guys donate goes back into the show. So very grateful to have you guys over there. I'm also going to be starting Twitter subscriptions as well. That's going to be a lot easier for me to keep in contact with you guys, actually post behind the scenes photos and videos with Subscribestar. They don't have an app, so it made it really hard for me to do that. But I'm starting Twitter subs because I really like that platform. Uh, another way you can support the show is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one of them, and I adore all of you who take time and effort out of your day to support the show. So thank you so much for that. Also, let's not forget that we are all, we are on Rumble too. Now, at the end of last show, I completely forgot to read the Rumble chats. So thank you guys. I'm going to read them now. You guys get a shout out at the beginning of the show because I forgot to read this at the end. But April P from the Hills on Rumble last show said, don't forget, we'll also never know the motive of that false alarm when that staged Muslim in a U-Haul rammed the White House fence with only a Nazi flag in the truck. Tons of distractions and problems. A really great 
a thing to start the show off with because, again, this is one of the many things that has gotten memory hold in the United States of America. Another false flag that was created to perpetuate this uh, white supremacy supremacy issue that we're all forced to believe. When again, wasn't the driver? Yeah, a Muslim who was also an illegal immigrant that wasn't supposed to be here. Very staged, very weird. But thank you to AP from the Hills. Uh, we also had Nitro Fuel who said, "Great work, Sav. You're killing it. Stay sad." American Patriots, appreciate your hard work. Thank you to my friends on Rumble for donating. I apologize that I missed your chats last time. It will not happen again. Um, really appreciate anybody who supports us on Rumble because let's not forget that YouTube has censored us multiple times. Now let's get into the crumbling infrastructure of the United States of America. Now if you guys missed me again, I did a live on Twitter and it got, I think, over 100,000 views, right? And it was me ranting about the absolute state of American infrastructure and a lot of the small things that we've continued to let slip because over time, our standards and our expectations in society have just continued to lower and lower and lower, right? It's kind of like the gender issue where uh, it, it, we just slowly started chipping away at women's rights. And now we have men pretending to be women, telling women to shut up and that that their voices are irrelevant. This actually happened to me. I had a man pretending to be a woman tell me that my voice was irrelevant. We'll get into that later on in the show. But let's start out with my travel experience. Okay, guys, so we're going to be getting into news and politics here, but a little story time for you here because I was supposed to be with y'all on Monday. Now, I left for the airport Sunday at 11 a.m., I got home yesterday, Tuesday, at 3 p.m. I was supposed to jump on a three-hour flight, and my travel experience ended up being over 48 hours when I tell you I had the worst luck possible. Now, what you guys are seeing here is a picture of the Miami airport. Now, there was bad weather all weekend, but the entire process of trying to rebook flights, the entire process of nobody being staffed properly to, uh, you know, maybe prepare for the fact that there was going to be bad weather and upwards of 60 canceled flights at the Miami airport. So what you guys are seeing on screen is this gigantic photo. Well, I guess it's just a regular photo, but it's a gigantic crowd of people. I'm not joking. This rebooking line was 400 people long and there were two of them two of them, and they were each hundreds of people long. So I want to detail for you guys what I went through, all right? So this was Sunday, my travel day. I got to the airport at 1 p.m., told my flight, I was told that my flight to Austin was delayed and that I was going to get a new flight, and the new flight was going to be from Florida into North Carolina, back into Florida to fly into a different part of Texas. I found a better flight out of Miami. And so I took a taxi from West Palm Beach to Miami. It was an hour and a half drive. The taxi driver was going 10 under the entire time. All right. So I finally get to the airport. New flight is at 7 p.m. And then the flight's delayed to 8 p.m. And then 7.30 rolls around and I look down and my flight's just been canceled. Rebooking line, like I said, hundreds of people long. Uh, the end of the line started past gate D16. The booking kiosk where only two people were working was at gate D14, two gates down. On top of that, guys, I parked in the wrong parking space back home here in Austin. Uh, so I got impounded. And instead of having to pay for one night of my car being impounded, I had to pay for four, which absolutely sucked. Um, and then we fast forward to Monday. Okay. I'm like, you know what? Sunday was bad. Whatever. We'll get a flight tomorrow. It's fine. 
So then we fast forward to Monday. Update on Operation Escape from Miami. I finally boarded my flight. I was so excited. Then the pilot told us that due to weather, all flights were at a standstill, and we sat on the tarmac for over an hour. And then, get this, guys, uh, a booking agent came on board. They were answering questions, and then um, she accidentally let it slip that it was actually a maintenance issue because uh, somebody overfueled the plane. How you overfuel a plane? I don't know. Who was the diversity hire that they uh, put in place to overfuel the plane? So we were lied to. We were told it was a weather issue, and then we were told the truth that it was a maintenance issue. So they had to defuel the plane. We sat on the tarmac for three hours, and then we taxied up to the runway. We were about to take off, and then we got grounded. Every single flight got grounded for actual weather delays. Now, we were finally able to take off to Orlando, um, but you know, during the three-hour time frame, they wouldn't tell us if we could even rebook our flights, if we were going to miss our connecting flight, if we were going to make it to Orlando. They were like, well, if you want to rebook, you have to get off the plane, but if you get off the plane, you can't get back on. It took the flight attendants three hours to pass out water to all of us sitting down. So it was just like, Where's the thought process here? Like, yeah, let's all just sit on a plane for three hours. It took you guys three hours to offer us water, but it's fine. We get to Orlando. All of the flights, of course, we missed our connecting flight. So, you know, there's no more flights out of Texas that night. So I get to the airport on Monday. And uh, funny enough for me, we finally land in Texas. I'm like, thank the good Lord Jesus. It's finally over. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong on this trip. Oh, by the way, when I landed in Orlando, my Uber app wasn't working. Couldn't get an Uber. Uh, went up to the taxi cab and I was like, hey, can you uh, get me a cab to, to a hotel? Taxi person goes, oh, did you try getting the hotel shuttle? Go there. Go to this, uh, you know, numbered area and take that shuttle. Me and three other people get on the shuttle and we're halfway to our destination. And the driver goes, oh, this is only for the parking lot. This isn't a hotel shuttle. So we all had to go back to the airport and then get a taxi to our hotels. So when I tell you everything that could go wrong did, and like I said, this is just an example of the bad communication skills, the bad customer service. I get it. The weather was not an, you're not something that employees could fix. But airlines knowing that there was going to be horrific weather on the East Coast ahead of time is something they could have prepared for and had extra rebooking agents on hand for. But no, nobody was prepared. And then like I said, the horrible communication skills just made this entire experience worse. So I went off on this whole tangent on Twitter and I was discussing basically everything that I talked about how we have slowly degraded so much over time that this is just what we expect. We see a line of 400 people after everyone's flights get canceled and we just go, well, this is just how America runs now. This is how it's always run, right? Um, it's never it's never been greater than this. It's always been bad. But I saw this video from Tucker Carlson the other day, right? And I think it really just sparked everything for me as well because I never really thought about this. And he's talking about graffiti, a very small issue, right? Yes, we all see the graffiti. It all looks ugly. It makes our cities look undesirable. It looks makes our cities look degraded, but we all just accept it. It's something that we're all told to just ignore because it's art. And I didn't even watch this video. I just saw a caption 
of it and I retweeted it and, and it said Tucker Carlson talks about graffiti and its implications on the United States and how it's basically a reflection of how we're degrading. They hate Tucker because you're not supposed to notice these things. So let's listen to this clip and then I'm going to keep ranting about the degradation of the United States. Drive across America for three hours. Is this what you remember from five years ago? Does it look better or worse? Are there more people sleeping on the street? Is it dirtier? Is there graffiti? Graffiti? Oh, graffiti. What is graffiti? That's not art. It's vandalism. And when it's allowed to stand, what does it say? We've given up. We don't care. We're allowing people who create nothing to destroy what we built and we're not fighting back. Graffiti is like one step from total society collapse, period. What you're saying when you allow graffiti is we have no self-respect at all. We don't care enough about our civilization to keep it clean, to keep it pretty. Previous generations worked their whole lives, gave everything they had just to like put in sidewalks, just to put in gas lines, just to build concrete buildings. And we're letting someone who's never done anything of value for our society destroy it with vandalism. And we don't have a problem with that. Yes. And if we take that ex exact mindset, right, we're, we're letting somebody who has added no value to society destroy that. Let's take a peek at all of the diversity hires that are doing the exact same thing to this country every single day. Let's take a peek at all of the open Marxists and communists that are proudly walking down the streets of the United States and trying to destroy the very fabric of our society. I have reached the point where if you are an immigrant in this country, which again, legal immigrants are some of the most patriotic people because they've lived through communism and socialism and they understand the freedoms and how blessed they are to live in a country that grants them the rights that the United States does because no other country on earth grants us the rights and freedoms that we have here. Again, we are not perfect, but there is uh, you know, the, the amount of people that understand the importance of the United States, of our constitution, of our rights and our freedoms, of our free speech, of our second amendment rights, that is dwindling day by day. And you now have, um, minorities in this country who burn the flag, who trample on the United States and all of our values, who say that we need to accept subpar cultures that are less than the culture that created the United States of America and that has allowed us to be a prosperous nation. They try to destroy capitalism, which has allowed so many people to rise up in society to not have to stay at you know in the in the lower levels of society it has allowed anybody in this entire country to be an entrepreneur and elevate their own standard of living if they they wish to do so now it's disgusting to me that we have so many people again that just have a zero care for their jobs we have an entitled generation that again thinks that because they work at a fast food restaurant they should be paid twenty dollars an hour because it's super hard work no you're not supposed to work at a fast food restaurant for the rest of your life and that's the entire problem there too is that a lot of these restaurant workers and i worked at a restaurant as well and my parents always instilled this in me right that no matter what i was doing whether i was cleaning bathrooms at a restaurant or i was doing 
doing the job that I'm doing today to give it my all and to work hard no matter what. And that has been lost on this entire generation. That's why they're so entitled. It's why when you ask your waiter at a restaurant to refill your glass, they roll their eyes and expect a big tip when they did not earn it at all. It's why, again, remember the MLK statue that I believe was in Boston that looked like a giant piece of SHIT, depending on the angle that you looked at it. We're all told that that's beautiful art. No, it's ugly. It's disgusting. Modern day architecture is ugly. It makes me sad. Modern day people are obese. It's ugly. It doesn't look pretty. You go to Europe, the people are very well dressed. Their airports are clean. Europe, again, has their own problems as well. But we have allowed our country and our society to degrade so much that we are told that men are women and we're supposed to accept that, that obesity is beautiful and we're supposed to accept that. No, it's disgusting, it's ugly, and I'm tired of it. Now, another thing that triggered me is uh, this tweet, okay? So I was scrolling through Twitter as I always do before I start the show because I'm like, let me make sure I'm not missing anything breaking. And, and I see this video of illegal immigrants in Chicago demanding paid job training and housing. They're holding up signs saying we need paid job training. We need jobs. We need housing. We need this. We need that. You need to get deported. You shouldn't be here. Now, I wrote this tweet out and I just said deport them immediately. And I, I have two angels on my shoulder. Okay. I have one that says, Sav, that's not very nice. You don't know what these people's uh, mindsets are. Maybe you shouldn't tweet that. Maybe it could, uh, you know, hamper future career opportunities because you're being so harsh. And then I have the other angel that says tweet the damn truth be brutal with it the problem with society today is that people are afraid to be radically honest they are afraid to tell the truth they are afraid to tell transgender women that they look like men and they will never be women they are afraid to tell illegal immigrants like the ones pictured here that they're entitled and they deserve to be deported because they illegally broke into our country and now you're demanding me the american taxpayer to pay for you i don't think so so this entire episode, like I said, is going to be dedicated to brutal honesty. And while you have illegal immigrants who, by the way, I noticed this trend and I haven't said anything about it because I was like, you know what, maybe this is an issue and I'm being a Karen about it, right? This is something that has even infiltrated my own mind. You guys used to call me Savage Sav. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest. I, I've gotten soft. Okay. Cause this is something that's been pissing me off for months. And I'm like, no, let me not complain. This is a first world issue. Okay. This is the issue. Almost every single time I get into my Uber. All right. I'm going to say like every other time here in Texas and the majority of Uber drivers are men, right? I'm a woman. So I think it's, a safety concern if I can't communicate with my Uber driver. Every other Uber driver that picks me up can't speak English. They can't even speak broken English. They go, uh, you go, uh, where did the, and I'm like, I'm going to the airport. Am I the person that you're supposed to be picking up? Do you know where we're going? They can't communicate with me. It's a safety concern. Uber should now start offering an option to where it's required that your Uber driver can speak English with you because it's a safety concern when he can't speak English and you can't communicate with the man driving you, especially if you're a woman. Now, it's a safety concern, but more importantly than that, why are my Uber drivers incapable of speaking English if they live in the United States of America? And again, for all the people who say, well, English isn't the official language of the United States. Spare me. You can take that bad opinion and shove it up your, I'm going to be a good child of God and stop that right there. But it's ridiculous. The United States is a primarily English-speaking country. And if you're going to break into the United States illegally, you need to speak English. You need to learn the language. You need to be able to um, 
understand the culture, appreciate the culture of the United States, not come in waving your the flag of the country that should just escape. And then, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, tell other Americans that their culture is bad, that white people are bad, and that we need to get rid of all of that. And then the crappy culture that you escape from needs to be the primary culture of the United States. No, I'm absolutely done with it. I'm tired of us being told that these subpar, crappier cultures need to be dominating and leading in the United States. When again, that's not what this country was founded upon. Now, I was even upset writing the title that I did for this show because I love the United States. And saying that the United States is rotting from the inside out makes me extremely sad. But I say these brutal and honest truths because I love this country. I love the foundations of this country. I love the opportunity that it has awarded to my family. I appreciate every single day the rights, the freedoms, the ability that I have to be so brash and brutal and honest. Other people don't have that opportunity. You go to Canada, you want to go live under dictator Trudeau, who's going to scoop you up and shut your bank account down because you said bad things on the internet. That's the thing that happens. You want the government to come scoop your kids up. I mean, we're a couple steps removed from that here in the United States, because again, that's a direct result of the slow degradation and chipping away of our standards to where the government even thinks that they should be allowed to do that. I said this before, that the government should live in fear of the people, not the other way around. And we are living in fear of our government right now. And that's a problem. The government does not rule over us. The government doesn't own us. The government doesn't speak for us. The government is supposed to be working for us and speaking for the people. And they're not doing that right now. So uh, that's another issue at hand. We're going to be getting into Hunter Biden because there was a hearing today where another IRS whistleblower, right? This isn't the first one. It's the second one came forward and highlighted how the DOJ has been covering for the corrupt Bidens. We'll get into that here in a moment. But anyways, well, all of this has been degrading and illegal immigrants have been pouring across our border and changing the very fabric of our nation smaller things have continued to happen and will continue to happen. Now, what am I talking about? Some, you know, if you're maybe more on the liberal side or you have family that might be an illegal immigrant, you might be listening to this and saying, Sav, you're being really harsh. This is really unfair. Not illegal, illegal immigrants are bad people. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm also highlighting the harsh reality of illegal immigration and importing third world people into a first world country. Look at what happened to France. The people they imported were not civilized. They didn't know how to live in a civilized society. So they burned France to the ground. Now, I want to play this TikTok for you, um, and it's absolutely horrific. I'm actually going to give you a warning before I play this because this video is so heartbreaking, but this video is going viral of a Somali woman. She did a TikTok video without her hijab on and her brother brutally beat her, okay? So in Somalia, the primary religion over there is Islam, right? And um, again, who were the majority of people imported into Europe from the Middle East? I'm not even going to like blame the religion on this one. Actually, I am because this is a direct result of their beliefs. But like, let's go further. When you import third world people into a civilized first world society, this is what's going to happen to our women. Uh, so again, this woman, she recorded a TikTok without her hijab on. Um, you know, she's not 
twerking in a bikini like American women love to do. She's not out naked in the street with her breasts exposed like American women love to do. But the same uh, liberal American women who do all of these things also advocate for open borders. This is the reality of uh, a lot of the people we're importing, a lot of the men that are coming across the border. And what will ultimately happen to American women if we don't get our border under control and if we don't get our culture in check here in the United States, here's the video. So that video is absolutely heartbreaking and I wanted to play it because it is a brutal and harsh reality for a lot of women living in Middle Eastern countries living in Islamic countries, and a lot of the men from those areas are coming into the United States. If you want a prime example of what importing a lot of these men who, again, don't really assimilate into Western culture very well looks like, go look at the rape rates in Sweden. And go look at how they exploded exponentially because they opened their borders and now their women are being raped left and right. It's horrific. So uh, Ali Beth Stuckey is actually one of the people who is at the forefront of saying, yeah, importing thousands of men like her brother is going to end very well for Western women. Now, this is the reality of what's going on every day. But uh, everybody is distracted by videos like this one. Rose. Hey Dex, oh thank you baby, you got me feeling like a queen, huh? Oh thank you Regin, yes, happy Friday, rock and roll baby. Yes popcorn, yes popcorn, yes popcorn, yes popcorn. Mmm, ice cream so good. Yes, 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 taking a nota. Hi emoji, hi emoji, hi Emmy. Oh thank you Damaris, I love you. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, enough of that. So... While the entire country degrades, China has been making sure that our attention spans get shorter and shorter, and more importantly, that our attention isn't on our degrading country, but instead on low IQ, dumb videos like this one. Now, apparently these influencers are posing as NPCs, and this is a trend that has gone absolutely viral all over TikTok and Twitter over the past week. And because people in the United States uh, are so money hungry, they've started to repeat this same type of video. And now we're seeing this type of video everywhere. But apparently this is something that's been going on for a long time. And these influencers are earning up to $3,000 per stream. And what the video is, is men and women just sending these little emojis. It's ice cream. It can be a basketball. It can be a rose. And then they do this reaction and they just sit there and they do that over and over and over again for hours. And people are eating it up. And when I see this, one, it is bizarrely entertaining. But two, it makes me sad that this is even entertainment to the modern day American. And also, it's another way to keep us all distracted from what's really going on in society. Like, TikTok is such a cancer to everybody. Because while we're all talking about these influencers and the weird things that they're doing, one, this is also going to affect the, you know, younger generations in a very bad way. It, TikTok already has 
We've talked about this multiple times about how uh, China is pushing TikToks about how to do cool science experiments at home and how you should be an engineer and a scientist and a doctor. And then in the United States, this is the type of content that's being pushed. And because we have no attention span in the United States, we are a society of decadence and immediate gratification. This is what we're all focused in on while everything around us continues to crumble. Now, going back to our crumbling infrastructure, uh, if we actually cared about American citizens, we would have people who, like I said, cared enough to highlight to the youth the issues with TikTok, right? To push back against this type of degeneracy. Because when I see videos like this, I honestly think that it is a form of degeneracy. It's it's like all of the deadly sins wrapped into one, right? It's like it's pride. It's vanity. It's like gluttony, if you will, even because obviously these people are doing this because they're money hungry and obsessed. And then other people are obsessed with these people reacting to them. And it's just this disgusting, dangerous cycle. And instead of as a society, all of us banding together and saying, hey, this isn't okay. Let's change this out of our society. Let's become stronger as a society, more intellectual and better. We all think it's funny and everybody gets distracted by it. Now, another one of the issues that I highlighted regarding how much we've degraded is the crime rates. Um, while I was gone from Austin this past weekend, there was a double homicide investigation, a robbery suspect, a shooting and homicide investigation, another shooting and homicide investigation. This was happening across Southeast Austin, South Austin, North Central Austin, and East Austin. This all happened in the course of one night. Now, one of the reasons this is happening in Austin is because our police force was severely defunded. And on top of that, we have a corrupt DA. We have corrupt city council members. The judicial system across the entire United States, you know, as a whole, has been so corrupted and nobody cares enough to fix it. And if anybody actually cared about Americans, we wouldn't have criminals running rampant through our streets. But we do. Here's just one example of that. Another uh, horrifying example. This is... A video out of Oakland, California, an 80-year-old ice cream man was robbed at gunpoint three times in the past week. And it's this sweet little old man who has his little ice cream truck getting robbed at gunpoint three separate times. Why? Because we have no standards in this country. Because when we see something like this and we see these criminals running rampant in the street, what do liberals say? They say, oh, the poor criminal. He, he was just discriminated against because he was black not because he was doing crime. It's ridiculous. And it really breaks my heart too that we've lowered the standards so much for minorities in this country that every single time, like for example, Jason Aldean just came out with this new song. I think it's titled Small Town. I keep seeing um, stories about it, but it's basically this country song about the BLM riots of 2020, right? And his song goes, Try to sucker punch a cop or a grandma in a small town. See how well that ends up. You're not going to get away with it because people in small towns, they protect each other. They don't put up with that type of stuff. And the funniest thing to me is that all of the, there's a huge campaign right now to cancel this song. I was going to save this for the end of the show, but it, it kind of highlights perfectly what I'm talking about. There's a huge campaign to get Jason Aldean canceled. I, I believe, let me see if I have it. Yeah. Uh, the country music or country music television pulled his song 
because of the left-wing outrage. So the funniest part about this is this is a song about how violence is bad. He doesn't mention anything about race. I don't even think he mentions anything about Black Lives Matter. He was talking about, like, specifically rioting. Yeah, Try That in a Small Town is the name of the song. Now, let me see if there's some of the lyrics here. Yeah, sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store. Yeah, think it's cool. We'll act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. And then he basically goes on to say, try that in a small town, not going to go over so well. And then the left wing said that he is a pro-lynching, a violent bigot, and a racist. Did he mention race at any part of this song? No. So the left wing being outraged and calling this a racist song, they inadvertently are the ones that said, how dare you say that about black people? How dare you say that about minorities who were out in the streets committing all of these violent crimes? He didn't say anything about race. The left wing did that. Because inherently, we all know who is committing the majority of the crimes in this country. It's just statistics. And again, it's just funny because the left wing accidentally tells the truth on themselves um, when things like this happen and they automatically pin minority people to it. They're like, oh, uh, you can't sing about violence and race or violence and riots and punching grandmas in the face. That's racist. And it's like, I didn't say anything about race. That was all you. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Anyways, a little bit about what's happening with Jason Aldean right now, who had the audacity to write about how uh, in small towns, things that happened in liberal cities wouldn't fly there. And the left wing had his bit about it. Surprise, surprise. Now, uh, let's go into uh, some of the other ways our society has declined. Bibi Rexa, she's a very thick singer. She publicly dumped her boyfriend. This is a new thing that women are doing. They are uh, exposing text messages where their boyfriends very nicely are like, hey, these are my uh, expectations for this relationship. And if you don't like that, we, we don't have to be together. And then the women release it as some type of own. And then everyone's like, yeah, you are the bad person. So apparently Bibi Rexa asked her boyfriend if she gained weight. And he was honest with her. And then she got mad about it. Now, I'm going to read a little bit of the text to you. And I know we're kind of jumping all over the place here. Uh, but like I said, this is kind of me just giving various examples that have happened over the past couple of weeks about the direct decline of our society and how 10, 20 years ago, we wouldn't even see this. Like, yeah, baby Rexa, girl, you look chunky as hell. Go on a diet. I've had issues with my weight in the past. Guess what? Instead of crying about it and continuing to eat, I'm like, all right, let me get my butt in the gym. It's not that hard to do. And this is such a woman thing for her to do. To ask her boyfriend if she gained weight and then for him to answer honestly. And then for, for her to try to make it about herself. And this, this is photos of her. Like she's obviously a naturally thick and curvy girl, but it's like, don't ask your boyfriend if you've gained weight. And then when he answers honestly, try to demonize him as the bad person, right? And again, this is an example, too, of the degradation of women in society, right? Uh, women are so entitled now, and the body positivity movement has corrupted our standards and expectation for body image so much that this woman thinks that she could ask if she gained weight and that 
her boyfriend who's supposed to love her and tell her the truth is going to lie to her. And more importantly, that society is going to be on her side because he told her the truth. And society is going to tell her, you know what? You're beautiful no matter what size. No, I'm sorry, you're not. You're not beautiful no matter what size. You're not healthy no matter what size. And uh, oftentimes, it is the fat women that are the professional victims and their personality is just as ugly as their outer appearance. So that's America for you, baby. All right. I feel like uh, the average person in America just looks ugly like the average leftist does, right? The people with the loudest opinions are oftentimes the ugliest. And I'm kind of at the point too, where I'm like, if you're ugly, your opinion is automatically discounted because you clearly don't care enough about yourself to fix yourself up, to present yourself to society in an appeasing way, like brush your hair, take a shower. I'm not trying to see your armpit hair, especially if you're a woman. I get it if you gain a little weight, but like, you know, make your appearance nice. I'm at the point where I'm like, if you're ugly, your opinion is discounted and it doesn't matter to me because you don't even care about yourself, bro. Let's move on. Now, again, going into Gen Z and their various problems. Remember how Joe Biden promised he was going to wipe out student loan debt and then it didn't happen because you can't force American taxpayers like myself who paid off their student loan debt to now pay off the student loan debt of somebody who decided to get a $100,000 women's studies degree or something equally invaluable? Apparently, a third of student debt holders spent the extra money they thought would be wiped clean. Surprise, surprise there. This comes from the Daily Wire. Roughly a third of Americans with student loans spent money they would have not they would not have normally spent because they were confident it would be forgiven under President Joe Biden. Now, what is this story an example of? An entitlement issue about how nobody values hard work, how nobody has pride in themselves anymore, how they just want daddy government to come in and pay for everything for them, how influencer culture has infiltrated everything to where now everybody wants these lavish, lush lifestyles, and they're willing to spend their... um student loan money to achieve that lifestyle because the government's going to come in and save them and they don't need to work hard a day in their life. They don't need to have pride in their work or have, uh, you know, the decency or the respect to pay off their own debts. So uh, a poll by Intelligent.com surveyed 977 people who would have qualified for at least $10,000 of debt relief under Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Of those one in three said they spent extra money because they were assuming forgiveness with many spending that money on things like vacation, retail items, and even alcohol, drugs, and gambling. There you guys go. That's your average uh, millennial. And then let's go into another thing that the Supreme Court, mwah, chef's kiss, beautifully struck down. And that was affirmative action. Now, the Washington Post came out with this article about how the myth of a quote unquote model minority works to divide Americans. And it talks about how Asians and blacks are pitted against one another because one minority is more successful than the other if we get down to it, right? And that's Asians. Asians have been discriminated against uh, historically by affirmative action because they're so successful, so they don't get into Ivy League schools. Meanwhile, uh, maybe some other minority who is not as who is not as hardworking, who is not as in intellectually smart, who doesn't deserve to be in the spot, then gets the spot at this prestigious school because they're more of a minority than the Asians who society tried to deem were basically white. So uh, a couple Asians weighed in, Kenny Wu or Zhu, 
says, I've heard this argument about Asian model minorities being a myth over and over again. It's the only thing coming out of the left about Asians. It's trite. I already proved facts about why and how Asians thrive in America. It's about culture. And let me just read a quick excerpt from, for you from this article from the Washington Post. The model minority myth is the idea that Asian Americans relative to other people of color in the United States have a stronger commitment to hard work and determination, and that has resulted in economic and academic success. It says they acculturate better and with more intention. Okay, so they actually like America and America's ideals, maybe capitalism. Okay, they work hard. They're determined. Uh, the myth suggests uh, that sometimes they use American names as opposed to, you know, their, their culturally Asian names to try to assimilate to Western society a little bit better. And so the Washington Post tries to say that that's a myth. That that's not true. But Asians across the board know that that's true and know culturally that, yeah, hard work and determination are very much a part of Asian culture. Now, my mom isn't like that, that Asian. She's Pacific Islander Asian, uh, but her father was Japanese. And uh, I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but she was strict. Okay. When she was raising me, she expected me to be a successful, thriving individual in society. And she pushed me. And, you know, now as an adult, I feel like I'm the one that pushes myself to the extent and I get stressed out. And she's the one that's like, relax, calm down. And I'm like, you made me this way. I'm kidding. I love my mother. But my father too, right? I was telling you that story about the waiters and waitresses and how they don't refill your glass. The reason why that's something that always sticks out to me is because when I was younger, we would go out to restaurants with my dad and his biggest pet peeve is when waiters leave his glass empty and they let his glass go empty because that's your job. When I became a waitress myself, guess what the number one thing I focused in on was? It was making sure that a glass never went empty. It was making sure that I went to the table that my customers always had everything that they needed. And guess who rarely got stiffed on the bill? Guess who always got really great tips? Me, because I actually tried in my job because my parents raised me to be determined to value hard work, right? It was a very much a cultural thing. Now, Yeonmi Park, who was a North Korean defector, one of the very few women that I look up to, who loves the United States of America, also adds in, you cannot even make this up. The desire for excellence made Asians a model minority, not because we are not black, hence white people allow us to succeed, as the Washington Post shamelessly claims. Asians are successful in general because they prioritize education and hard work above anything else. Korean parents never tell their children that if you do your best, then that's enough. They literally tell their children that nobody remembers number two, only number one. If you don't become the best in any field, your best doesn't mean anything. We don't have a culture of prioritizing people's feelings over facts. And that is the stark difference. Who is it in society that's always saying, oh, yeah, like we are descendants of slaves. So we just have hard lives and we just can't make it no matter how hard we work. So we're not even going to try. Who is it in society, white liberals, that are apologizing for their skin color and trying to abolish capitalism and, again, destroy the very fabric of this society because they have this weird white guilt that they were indoctrinated with via the college system? White liberals. Okay, there are interesting subsets in this country of people who have this victim mentality and who instead of you know, being told nobody's going to remember you because you're not number one. You're not the best. They they would turn around and say, that's so mean. 
I got a participation trophy because I did my best. No one ever told them, your best isn't good enough. Try harder. And guess what? We now have an entire generation that's soft and pathetic. Uh, by the way, again, I'm not trying to rail on one specific race here. I'm just bringing up statistics here. And I like to hold people to a higher standard. So if I see a group that's not reaching that standard, I'm going to call it out. I was reading this article as well from The Hill. And because you and me talked about how Asians put hard work above all. I thought that this uh, headline from The Hill was interesting. It came out uh, about a week ago. Black workers compromised 90% of recent unemployment spike data shows. Now, this data comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It was published on uh, Friday, July 7th, and it found that Black Americans make up nearly 90% of those who are unemployed in the U.S. since April. Black workers make up 267,000 of the 300,000 new unemployment cases this spring, the report says. And I'm not going to sit here and listen to the excuse that they're being discriminated against and no one wants to hire them. Because we live in the DEI, the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Society, so there is zero excuse for minorities not to succeed in this country when not only is every single corporation required to hire them, but on top of that, they also have had for decades at this point, and easier access to get into prestigious schools, and they have had every opportunity, if not more, than their white counterparts. So when I read a headline like this, and then I see the Washington Post talk about the model minority myth, and I see all of the Asians in my life that I know personally, and also just in the space, very successful because, again, their culture prioritizes hard work and determination. I'm not going to give anybody in this country an excuse. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your background is. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets an excuse. I'm the person that's going to be here to tell you your best isn't good enough. Try harder. So that's my response to this headline. Let's keep going. What else is happening in society? Ah, the trannies. The trannies are loose. <sighs> now, another thing that has um, come about is, again, men who have become so entitled that it's so funny, too. It's it's like we are really moving backward in time, right, where men are basically telling women to shut up, sit down, and that their opinions are irrelevant. Um except the men are dressed like women, so it's okay now. Uh, here's a video of a man saying that women who say that only women can get periods and only women are women are uh, transphobic. Listen to this, another uh, direct example of the degradation of our society. This is what I mean when the transphobia just comes out, the audacity and just the, the, the arrogance for cis women to believe that they own periods that they own womanhood, you don't, okay? You don't own periods, you don't own womanhood. You experience both and both are different for every person, but as a cis woman, it doesn't belong to you. So you can't gatekeep it. So there is a man who is very clearly a man, and that's what I commented on Twitter too. Uh, this was posted by Libs of TikTok. And I was like, the audacity of this man with his deep ass voice to even pretend that he passes as a woman. And that's the energy that we need to start bringing to these trans women, all right? I'm tired of it. I'm done with it. The only trans woman that I really do respect in this space is Blair White. And you know why? Because Blair White has specifically said, trans women are not women. If anything, trans women are a category of men. 
because that's what we are. I respect that. Thank you, Blair, for living in reality. I appreciate it. Thank you for not trying to infringe on our spaces. Thank you for trying, not trying to infringe on our rights. And I know a lot of people will say too, Blair's a part of the problem. But to be quite honest with you, Blair White's an adult. Blair White can do whatever Blair White wants to do because we live in the United States of America. But Blair White isn't targeting children and more importantly, trying to, well, not more importantly than targeting children, but also importantly, not trying to infiltrate women's spaces and silence us. Now, I triggered a trans woman on Twitter who goes by, uh, her name is Kelly Cadigan. I'm being nice using the her pronouns here. But uh, this dude posts a video, right, <clears throat> about women's restrooms and about how if women have a problem with men using their restrooms, they can get over it and use the bathroom at home. Watch the video, and then we'll go over the responses here. And again, 2023, we now have men telling women that their voices are invalid, that their privacy and space is invalid, and they need to shut up. So here's uh, Kelly. I will never use the men's bathroom, no matter what anyone says. And the only people that seem to have a problem with me using the women's bathroom is TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And TERFs do not make up the whole female population. They do not make up the majority of the female population. It's a very small minority. And in my opinion, you guys should use a family restroom or use the bathroom at home, whatever, if you aren't comfortable with people like me being in there. That's just how I feel. That is a public space and it's available for any woman to use. And just because your radical politics say I'm a man or a trans identifying male, whatever you want to call it, um, I really don't care. Because okay, so um, basically I responded to this video on Twitter and I said, not another man telling women their safety and privacy is invalid. This man needs to check himself and stop trying to force his way into women's spaces. Now, my favorite part about this video is that this is clearly a man trying to impersonate how he thinks women sound, which is why his bias is like this, because like he clearly is not a woman. And again, if you have to make videos about how you're a woman, if you have to talk with somebody about how you're a woman, if you have to convince somebody that you're a woman, chances are you're not a woman. So Sir Kelly got very upset with me and said, no, I'm a woman and I will continue to use the women's bathroom. Kick rocks. Now, I just want to look at the uh, ratio here, all right? And we're looking at the ratio because I, I like to look at what the public thinks, right? And when it comes to these types of uh, responses, which side the public's on? So Sir Kelly told me to go kick rocks. And then I responded, you and I are not remotely the same. More importantly, you're delusional if you think men view you the same. If you guys haven't seen my latest video, I went and I asked men if they would date a trans woman. And they all said no, because they couldn't get past the dick. It's a hilarious video. And I guess Sir Kelly has gotten the surgery. But if you guys, because I have been doing some research into this, uh, these trans people think that they have vaginas and they just work like a woman's. No, they don't. They're not self-lubricating. It's uh, just a whole mess down there. And surgery coupled with a mental health disorder does not make somebody a woman. I just responded, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to help you live in reality. 
And as you guys can see here, I think the ratio speaks for itself. And we're highlighting the ratio because the American public is clearly not on Sir Kelly's side. He got uh, 350 likes on his, uh, you know, response. And I got over 2,200. Not trying to be a bully here, but I think America has had enough and we see that in the responses. Uh, Sir Kelly then made an entire response video. I haven't watched it, um, but... You know, he says, hey, Seth says, you're a bad person. And this response was extremely masculine. I don't feel comfortable sharing a bathroom with you. Please stay out of our private spaces to again. Uh, you know, I I'm really happy that uh, he feels this way because I'm not a man. And if I was a man trying to share a bathroom with women, I wouldn't feel comfortable either. So I'm glad that we cleared that up. And then I again responded that I've never triggered so much someone so much that they've dedicated their time and effort to making an entire video. And it was great. It's great to see. I'm glad that we're triggering these people. Um, really, not trying to be a bully here. I'm just trying to help people live in reality because I'm tired of the subpar society that we live in um, where people like this guy think it's okay to talk about um, getting a uterine transplant so he could be the first man to get an abortion. The first trans woman to have a successful uterus transplant, ovaries and eggs included. And I want to be the first trans woman to have an abortion. I will let a doctor who has successfully transplanted a uterine complex before cut the organs out of a willing, healthy, transmasculine donor, place them in my body. I will devote myself, heart and soul, to their aftercare. I will have as much gay sex as it takes with as many trans women as it takes and let the transphobes and homophobes scratch their heads wondering what to make of it and i want to be the shut the hell up nobody cares okay another ugly ass man pretending to be a woman but we can all clearly tell that's a dude but it is what it is all right so i wrote an article for this and i was actually doing some um, in-depth research on uterine transplants and even that is horrific. And it's like, how have we gotten to a place in society where these botched science experiments are even happening? If you guys want to read more about that, I wrote this piece for the post-millennial. Viral video reveals male trans activists claiming to want a uterine transplant so he can be the first trans woman to have an abortion. Now, the um, study I was reading was from the National Institute of Health back in 2019. Now, apparently... Doctors tried to transplant a woman's uterus, and it's not just the uterus, it's like all of the muscles, it, it's, it's a very in-depth surgery, and then if they even want the uterus to be implanted, they have to undergo, again, all of the surgery to get a neo-vagina made. It's just very, it's very horrific. It's very Frankenstein. But apparently these doctors tried to implant a uterus into a man, okay, from a, a woman into a man. And then they transplanted six embryos. So that is six babies, right? These were six little lives. They transplanted six embryos or multiple embryos, sorry, into the uterus which resulted in at least six early pregnancy miscarriages. So they just straight up took little babies and then just killed them, transplanted them into this uterus to try to give this mentally ill man 
validation at the literally blood sacrifice of these six little children. By the way, no live births. Surprise, surprise there. Because guess what? The um, pelvis of men versus women is significantly different. The pelvis of a man cannot do what the pelvis of a woman can do. Another example of the ridiculousness in our society, we have Dylan Mulvaney here, who again, clearly looks like a man, is in no way, shape, or form feminine, could be a gay dude at most. Apparently, CNN issued an apology for misgendering Dylan Mulvaney. They shouldn't have apologized for telling the truth. Uh, dude does not look like a lady. Dude looks like a dude. And that's why they probably misgendered him. Let's keep going. Uh, from the post-millennial, another horrific story. A former transgender uh, New Hampshire lawmaker is facing federal charges for allegedly using daycare connections to generate child exploitation images. And of course, uh, Biden's Justice Department referred to this trans-identified male as a, quote, New Hampshire woman. woman. So this is a perverted man who's pretending to be a woman, went and tried to garner child porn via daycare connections, and the Justice Department is calling him a woman. This is an outrage. It's disgusting. He's disgusting, and he's not a woman. And I guarantee you, they'll probably put him in a women's prison. So... 2023. Now, if you are a woman in the Texas area, really quick, I want to highlight this um, event because I will be there. Let Women Speak is happening in Austin, Texas on Saturday, August 12th. So if you're in Austin, if you're in the Texas area, this is going to be a big event where women can finally stand up and say enough is enough. We're taking back our gender. We're tired of being mocked. We're tired of being erased. And we're going to speak our minds. So I will be at this event on August 12th. And uh, funny enough, Eventbrite did not let the organizers of this event um, sell tickets on their site because apparently um, they're hateful. They're, they're very hateful. So um, yeah, Eventbrite is not allowing them to list the event on their site. So just another example of corporations trying to erase women. No Big deal, my friends. Uh, one more trans story. This one's a good one. And then we'll get into the absolute crap show that is American politics. Yes, we're going to be talking about some Hunter Biden dick pics that were on the House floor today. American politics is wild. So this is Austin uh, Killips. And he has recently taken first place, not one, but two women's cycling competitions. Um, in the first one, actually in the second one, I apologize, he beat the female runner-up by five minutes. Now, the uh, International Cycling Union updated their policy on transgender women competing, and they said that transgender women are no longer allowed to compete against women. Yay! A huge win. And funny, uh, Austin Killips, of course, comes forward and says, ah, nobody should be let me hang on. Let me impersonate a trans woman. <clears throat> Nobody should be denied this opportunity to compete. This is horrible. And what was the denial of opportunity? Um, 
the trans women now have to compete in a more fair category, the men's open category. So basically this dude has to compete fairly against other men and now he's complaining about it. Uh, but again, I wrote a story for that in the post-millennial as well. If you'd like to go read a little bit more about it, uh, it's just absolutely hilarious. Of course, this dude takes first place in not one, but two women's competitions. The cycling union is finally like, okay, we should probably look into that a little bit more. And then they didn't ban trans people from competing because that's always been a gripe in the trans community. They just said, you can't compete against women. It's not fair. You can be in the men's slash open category. And what happened? The trannies got mad because there's no pleasing these people. They're mentally ill. And because we have not been brutally honest with them, they have been allowed to run rampant and destroy the fabric of our society. Now, speaking of the destroyed fabric of the United States of America, Let's take a peek at um, what has been going on in the House Oversight Committee. Okay, so we've had a second IRS whistleblower that went public at a hearing about Hunter Biden. He is being probed right now because he did very illegal things, because he paid for prostitutes uh, via, I, I believe it was like his business finances. And he evaded taxes, and he also was just like a crackhead and uh, has very corrupt business feelings across seas, but that's not what they're really focused in on. Um, but the House Oversight Committee is hearing, or they heard from two IRS whistleblowers today, and they claimed that the Justice Department politicized the Hunter Biden criminal probe. And, uh, of course, that's not surprising in the least, right? So uh, another whistleblower, his name is Joseph Zeigler, has come forward and said, yeah, uh, basically the Department of Justice hampered and impeded our ability to investigate Biden's properly. Uh, not cool, guys. This is kind of an issue. And then the response from Democrats was basically that this entire probe was ridiculous and that the CIA, that the FBI and the DOJ are the pillars of democracy in this country. And without them, we'd be nothing. So, of course, it's so funny to me, right? Uh, leave it up to the people who preach that democracy dies in darkness and that we have to defend democracy. The same exact people. And again, for those of you in the chat that are going to be like, we're not a democracy, it's Republic. I know. I know. But Democrats like pretending that they care about quote unquote democracy, aka people, uh, you know, having a fair say and being informed so they can make informed decisions. These same people are always the same ones that are like, yeah, we're going to keep that in the dark. Hunter Biden, go ahead and just control bullet delete that one because uh, that's not good. Just shut it down. Go ahead and just. Uh, the other way on that. So not a first, but second IRS whistleblower came forward to talk about Hunter and uh, iconic Marjorie Taylor Greene brought some receipts today. So while what I'm playing for you on screen is Marjorie holding up Hunter Biden's dick pics at the House Oversight Committee. Now, a lot of people were condemning this, especially on the left. And they were saying, oh, decorum. This is just, this is unbecoming of the House. This is unbecoming of Congress. We shouldn't be showing this. It's horrible. A lot of people saying that the reason that she did this is because uh, now it is on congressional record forever. And, um... 
Also, I want to highlight that Marjorie Taylor Greene actually does an incredible job at garnering national attention, right? The average American most likely had no idea that there was a whistleblower that was coming forward and testifying against Hunter Biden today. So Marjorie whips out the Hunter dick pics, not only exposes to maybe more Americans who had no idea that this was even happening, uh, but also brought a lot more eyes and attention to this story. So uh, Laura Loomer was at the forefront of, you know, condemning this action. And she was like, uh, basically saying that Marjorie Taylor Greene ha has no place to do this because Marjorie Taylor Greene doesn't have any morals and she's friends with Kevin McCarthy and Kevin McCarthy has hung out with Hunter Biden and so nothing's actually going to get done. Now, I disagree with this because I think that something actually did get done today because I think the more and more we d expose how degenerate the Biden family is, the better. We should be shaming this family. We should be highlighting how disgusting they are. So I think that this is great that Marjorie did this. And like I said, more Republicans need to take note and understand how to garner national attention and national headlines. And this was a great way of doing this. I think it was a creative way to get people's eyes and attention on this hearing that they otherwise wouldn't have known about. Will anything come out of this hearing? We don't know. Hopefully, I mean, we all know how American politics goes. But either way, I think that the more we hold this uh, family's feet to the fire, the better. This is just a quick video from the other day. This is um, Biden meeting with the president of uh, Israel. He's just on low power mode, guys. No big deal. <sighs> the look of concern on the Israeli president's face really says it all. I just wanted to uh, give you guys a little peek right there at the people leading our country, right? Our, our, our uh, standards and our expectations have degraded so much that the president's just on low power mode in front of the entire world. And we all just accept it and laugh it off as normal. And then uh, this is our vice president. Let's not forget what an airhead she is. Words have many meanings. And sometimes instead of conveying our meaning, they can suggest other meanings. When we talk about the children of the community, they are the children of the community. Well, we are the United States of America because we are united. And we are states. The significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. Whatever we have in store cannot be known. The past was once the future. The future is, I should say, unknown. We gotta take this stuff seriously, as seriously as you are, because you have been forced to have to take it seriously. Obesity is a. Okay, so there's Kamala Harris, and somebody edited her with the show Veep, which is a mockery of politics and how ridiculous it is. And that's just regular politics now. Let's keep going at some of the people who uh, lead the United States of America. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre, press secretary, talking about Bidenomics. Um, 13.2 million jobs have been created. Guys, unemployment has remained below 4% for the longest stretch since the 1960s. Inflation is cut in half. Almost 800,000 manufacturing jobs have been created. That's what Bidenomics is. Now, the funniest part of this tweet is that um, Joe Biden really hasn't created 13.2 million jobs. The entire economy was shut down because the government forced everybody to close and then they reopened. And then Joe Biden tried to say that 
those were jobs that were created. Also, let's not forget that there was record high inflation under Joe Biden, which funny enough, Hakeem Jeffries tries to say inflation is down for the 12th consecutive month at its lowest levels in two years. We promised to lower costs for everyday Americans and President Biden is delivering. And then the community notes comes in and is like, yeah, lower cost requires negative inflation. A falling rate of inflation means that prices are increasing less than before. Also, the latest government report shows an annual inflation of 3%, which means prices are 3% higher than 12 months prior. And also, let's not forget that if inflation is lowering, it's because Joe Biden got us to the point where inflation was at a 40-year high. Absolutely incredible. Now, more lies that we've been forced to accept by our lying government who have gotten into power and gotten into place via our low expectations. This comes from a Sky News political editor, reporter. Uh, This was from eight days ago. President Biden was not attending a dinner at NATO, right? And people were asking why he skipped it. U.S. officials said the president had a four full days of official business and is prepping for a big speech. So he just couldn't, you know, the NATO summit was a lot for him and he just worked so hard for the past four days. So it's he, he skipped the dinner. My good friend, uh, Greg Price comes in, goes, yeah, they're literally lying. Dude was chilling on the beach in Delaware three days ago. So there's Joe Biden. Uh, there's a uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, press secretary, and our airhead uh, vice president, Kamala Harris. These are the people that lead the United States and are still in power because of our low standards and our overall degraded society. By the way, um, the Biden administration has announced another $1.3 billion in military aid for Ukraine. Great. Truly incredible. I'm so glad that we are paying for that. Oh, and also Biden's DOJ uh, erased child sex trafficking information from their website. Yeah. The Department of Justice quietly removed significant portions of its page on child sex trafficking, including information on international sex trafficking of minors, domestic sex trafficking of minors, and child victims of prostitution. While it's unclear what prompted the revisions, conservatives pointed to the changes as a sign the Biden administration is not taking crimes around child exploitation seriously. I would venture to say that they, uh, it's not that they're not taking it seriously. It's that they're probably involved in them and they just kind of maybe want to rewrite definitions just to, you know, cover their asses. So there you guys go. That's from the Washington Examiner. If you want to read a little bit more about that one. Now let's take a peek in at the people who are not leading this country, but are trying to. Vivek Ramaswamy, I know a lot of people are going to be like, he's from Sor- he's Soros backed, he's bad, this and that, blah, blah, blah. I'm not getting into this political discourse where it's like, you have to be all in on Trump or I hate you. That's it. I'm not doing it. I think that anybody who highlights, who has the platform that Vivek has right now and is highlighting these issues, I think that's important. He was talking about uh, Christopher Ray's testimony. Uh, this happened on July 12th. Um, he was supposed to testify before the House Judiciary Committee, and Vivek came up with this list of 15 questions to try to hold him accountable. And I thought it was awesome. And, you know, the best part about this is that it garnered 2.7 million views on Twitter. I'm sure Vivek is reaching some people who might not have known how corrupt the FBI 
was. So I think that it's great that somebody with his platform is saying these types of things. And what are some of the things that he was saying? Number one, if U.S. voters in 2024 elect a U.S. president who seeks to shut down the FBI, what is your recommended plan to help execute on this policy directive in an orderly manner? Number two, John Durham issued a lengthy report in May accusing the FBI of acting negligently in opening the Trump-Russia investigation in 2016 based on insufficient information. As head of the Bureau, after having read and reflected on the Durham report, what steps will you take to prevent baseless politicized investigations like that which impeded President Trump's first term in office? Number three, in 2020, you claimed Antifa was an ideology, not an organization. Do you still believe that? If yes, who or what exactly do you believe destroyed downtown Portland? He goes on to talk about January 6th, the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping, Jeffrey S. Epstein's client list. Um, members of Congress using a taxpayer slush fund for hush money to hide sexual assaults allegations, the Department of Justice labeling concerned parents domestic terrorists, the raid of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago, um, FBI's handling of investigations into Hunter Biden's foreign affairs. So, you know, again, great list. I'm really happy to see that Vivek is highlighting these types of issues. Another thing he's been at the forefront of, he says there's two sexes. If you have XX chromosomes, you're a woman. If you have XY chromosomes, you're a man, period. Gender dysphoria is a mental health disorder. Affirming a kid's confusion isn't compassion. It's cruelty. That's the truth. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm still all in on Trump 2024 because I do think that he is the strongest candidate. And I think that because he's still being targeted. Just, I believe this was yesterday. Yes. Trump announced that he is uh, going to potentially be arrested again. Uh, the DOJ signaled that he will be arrested and indicted for January 6th. So there you guys go. Donald Trump gets arrested just for breathing. And I think that is why he's one of the strongest uh, political candidates in the field right now, because every other Republican as well that is having to fight against Trump, right, for that nomination, like the entire conversation is about Trump right now. The entire conversation is about the integrity of the 2020 elections, about January 6th, about the Trump indictments, about the politicization of the Department of Justice, about us living in a banana republic where you have a sitting president targeting his political opponent trying to run for office in 2024. So the entire conversation already surrounds Donald Trump. I think that he still has a lot of energy behind him. He has a lot of support. And every single time he gets arrested, that support only grows uh, bigger and bigger. Now, I was at um, Turning Point's Action Summit. Now, this is their summit where they get more politically involved. And I actually got to speak on a panel, which was really cool. I was on the panel with Charlie Kirk, Libby Emmons, Jack Vesobic. And we're talking about new media and um, basically how journalists like myself have been able to come in and report truthfully. So I wanted to play like a small 30 seconds um, from my speech because I know I did a bad job of... Um, Telling you guys I was going to be at this event, I apologize. Um, this was a little excerpt from my speech. I was really excited to be able to be on a panel and talk about new media because it really is an honor for me to be able to be here with you guys and break news stories with you. And I do, I mean, listen, I'll let you guys listen to this and then we'll wrap the show. So we're living through such a beautiful time right now where... Elon Musk took over Twitter, and we can actually tell the truth for the first time. How many people have been censored on social media, you know? 
So, you know what? I have to say thank you to the media for lying because they jump-started my career because of the media's <laughs> lies. I, you know, uh, I had people that started following me and now trust me as a source, and I feel so grateful to have your guys' trust. And it's disgusting to me that the media takes that for granted every single day, and I think everybody on this panel understands the importance of actually telling the truth and, more importantly, saving the United States of America. Good. Thank you. So that was a little excerpt. I realized after rewatching that, I hate listening to myself speak, that I say, you know, as my filler word. Sorry, guys, I'll work on it. But I wanted to play that for you because I really am truly honored to be able to report to you guys when I go out on the field. And I take it so seriously because I don't ever want to be fake news. And if I ever do make a mistake, even if it's embarrassing, I will make sure and I tweet it out immediately like, hey, clarification on this or that. So to everybody who listens to my show, to everybody who follows my reporting on Twitter, who follows my work here on YouTube, on Rumble, who leaves me the reviews on Apple Podcasts, who comes up to me in, you know, stranded airplanes and tells me that they watch the show. I truly, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate it. You guys help keep me going on the days where I feel like I've run out of energy. So thank you all so much for being here for me, being here in the fight, and caring enough about America to listen to me rant and ramble. I really appreciate each and every single one of you. Also, I'm thinking that it's time to do maybe a merch drop. I know a lot of you guys have been asking for Sav merch. To be quite honest, I feel like people who have merch, it's like... I, I, I don't know. I want to be humble, you guys. I don't want to give you guys merch. It's like, who am I to like sell you guys stuff? I don't know. I just appreciate you guys being here, you know? But I know a lot of you guys have asked for it. So we might do like a one-week special sale. Maybe in October for my birthday. Maybe that's in the works. Let me know down below if that's something you guys would be interested in. And again, my sincerest thanks to each and every single one of you for always being here for me and for caring enough about our country to... Be vigilant and be informed. My name is Savannah Hernandez, and I'll see you guys next time.